right now in ministry? Ah, yeah. Um, you know, it's always a long story, but we'll try to make it keep it short and contained. Uh, no problem. You know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Uh, yeah, I wasn't raised Adventist, um, raised um, in the Catholic Church, but when I say that, you know, not really even in the Catholic Church. We went on holidays and things like that. Um, my family came to the church through some evangelistic series. Um, but even at that, you know, it wasn't my church. It was my parents. They made me go to it, and it mm-hmm. wasn't my religion. So I just started doing what my parents told me to do. Um, it wasn't until I was about 17 that I met my wife, my girlfriend at the time, and my mom still went to church off and on on Sabbath. And so one Sabbath she decided to go and invited me, and I, I invited my girlfriend. And then uh, my girlfriend became kind of curious as to the Saturday thing is weird, you know. And yeah. So I had to explain it to her. And, you know, at that time I wasn't really Adventist, but that's when I became a pro at Adventism because it was mine, you know. Yeah. And I had to tell my girlfriend about it. And uh, I was kind of funny, just, you know, a little ego as a young person. and. Yeah. Um, but through that, we were able to start doing some studies and my wife decided to get baptized and that made me get baptized. And, um, we're, but at this time we're still dating and so forth. And, um, we just stayed active in our church for some reason. I don't know how, like, as I look back on it, I don't know of any one program or any one thing that kept us in the church. Um, and I wish I could pinpoint it because, you know, that would be nice for me to say, oh, that was pivotal. But, you know, the Lord and the Holy Spirit just, like, kept pushing us along to, to go. Um, so, you know, we get married, fast forward three or four years. Um, I was working at an engineering firm, um, very successful, happy. Um, my wife worked for eye surgeons, and we had a good life. You know, we had, a, we had bought a house. We were living the American dream. Wow happy at home with our family, you know, Um, and then another evangelistic series came through our church, and we just went just to go support, you know, we had heard it, and wasn't anything new, but this evangelist, I told him, you know, I just, I want to be doing something more for the Lord, like, I'm going to church, and you know, we do, we did the sound system, and my wife was a deaconess, deaconess, and uh, you know, we kind of helped out here and there, but I told this evangelist I want to do something more. Engineering was great. I loved it. But something had to be more to do the, with the church. And so he told me, go into ministry. And he told me to go to the uh, Amazing Facts Bible College. Mm-hmm. I went there. And I just planned on going back to engineering after I went to that, you know, because I thought oh, it would be good evangelism training, kind of learn, get my feet wet, understand a little more. Um, and again, you have to understand this is what the whole worldview of not being Adventist before. Yeah not understanding a lot of the pillars and the fundamental beliefs and the, what we what we believe um so we went to the amazing facts college came finished there and one of the professors there before i left he said you know you got to go into ministry like uh, i don't know you know I, I enjoyed engineering i was good at it had a job when i went back but he says no you need to go to school so i decided to go back to college for theology went to union college for a semester um, had, had a great time, great school, just didn't feel like it was a program for me, then transferred to Southern, um, and from there, it just, it was a good fit, you know, um, I like Union College, still nothing against it, it just wasn't for us, and so we, 
got to Southern and we started working immediately. You know, the week I got there, um, one of the professors, he had um, the SALT training program that's there at Southern. They asked me to take over their Bible studies and be their Bible worker during the summer because nobody was there. Did that and then immediately from that I got a job as a Bible worker. Um, my first semester, did that for two years and got a job as a youth pastor. And youth ministry was never in my, my scope of what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, the church there that I worked for, they asked me to youth pastor for about two years and I said no every time. Um, and I just remember telling my wife one day, I don't want to go babysit young people. Wow. Um, but it's just interesting the way the Lord works, you know. And yeah. I youth pastored, loved it, had a great time. Um, wanted to continue youth pastoring, but the Lord called me to work in Washington. Uh, became a pastor there. Started doing a lot of things with the youth there. And, uh, you know, in my community, the my churches, they were out in the middle of the mountains, Washington. Beautiful, beautiful area. But there is a lot of hard work. Like, you have to garden, you have to take care of your property. Like, that was the focus of the summer for my churches. So I said, okay, I'm going to go work in the community. I'm going to go do things with young people in our community outside of our church. Um, so we had a Bible, a Christian school there. Yeah. And non-denominational, was like a bunch of parents got together and they put this school together. They had one teacher... And that one teacher was a church member. Mm. So she was their only certified teacher. And then that teacher, she called me one day and said, Pastor Eric, we need somebody to teach Bible. Will you volunteer? I said, okay, sure. So I went and taught Bible. From there, it turned into I taught auto mechanics because I love cars. I taught robotics with my engineering background. Um, I taught them how to do Bible studies. Like We were doing all these things in this little Christian non-denominational school where... The teacher was a church member. Their Bible teacher was me. You know, so we essentially had an Adventist school yeah. without having an Adventist school. Yeah. So, um, But through this is where we gained a lot of momentum with the young people. Being that it was a co-op and like a homeschool type of setting, the kids were kind of at their own pace. And the teacher, she just kind of regulated and made sure everybody was moving along, progressing. So being pretty good friends with her and the principal... I'd go to their school and randomly during the week and I'd say, hey, who's doing well in their classes? And the principal would tell me, and then I would take those young people snowboarding. Wow. So, and just because they were caught up, they were doing well, you know. And so, so all the kids, it became kind of a goal for the kids to do well and get caught up because Pastor Eric was going to take them snowboarding. Nice. And, you know, that I, I say that not to boast of myself because it was very selfish at first. Like, I wanted to go snowboarding. <laughs> And I needed a good reason to take some young people snowboarding. So yeah. I was like, hey, you know. But through that, these young people looked forward to doing something. And it gave them a goal to do better in school. Um, so we did that. And then we took them on some trips. We took them on a, a mission trip to Guatemala. Um, just this, this one small effort in our school, in this little local Christian school, yeah. turned into what we had. And we tripled the amount of young people going to the church um, just by working in the community. Wow. So it was a huge testament of what, to me, of what we can do if we look outside the church sometimes. Wow. Wow. So. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I mean, just from the bio, you're telling us 
the importance of youth ministry mm -hmm. and i think that's what you were leading where you were landing your plane mm -hmm. was that you were bringing us to that story of how when you reached out into the community and talked about youth ministry you brought people you drew people into the church to teach them about jesus so yeah that's powerful yeah and it was it was it was a, an interesting thing to see you know it was never in my vision or my mindset of to do this it was just kind of naturally organically and it just started again by what i say is a little bit of selfish motive wanting to go snowboarding yeah. but these parents then saw this church that they had never really interacted with yeah. in a different way because the teacher she was also very involved in the community she was always in community events doing things doing things and you know as as adventists sometimes it seems to me that we're afraid to do things in the community outside of our events mm. but yeah. to me it showed the power of getting connected into their events into their world into their lives and one of my elders there he kind of jokingly he said you know if you touch the calf, you get the cow. Yes. Meaning if you touch the young people, you get the parents too. Yes. And we saw a lot of those families come to our church events after all these things that took place where we were involved in their lives. Wow. And yeah. it was all through, like I said, just going snowboarding, taking them to get uh, cinnamon rolls because our local bakery is a small town, thousand people in this town. And the bakery was owned by church members. They're Adventist. And they're very community-minded, too. And, um, so I take these kids, like the ones, again, and go to the principal's office say, hey, who can I take to get some cinnamon rolls? And we walk down to the bakery, sit there, and have a cup of hot chocolate or coffee, whatever they got, and cinnamon rolls because they had the best cinnamon rolls in all of Washington. Oh, my gosh, good stuff. Um, but, again, it was through just simple community outreach it was yeah. real focused outreach so wow so um looking into it you like to have fun with young people oh uh, yeah yeah i think that's that's what i'm getting from you yeah. uh you you taught them robotics you mm -hmm. you showed them how you were good with your hands and being a car mechanic mm -hmm. went snowboarding i'm a little envious because it seems like you are the the if i would mold a perfect youth director that's the kind of guy oh, that no. you would be like you're able to teach them and do the cool things and the rad mm. things you know that some of us aren't able to do so yeah um well praise god for that you know it doesn't feel like that I tell my staff at summer camp often you know i don't feel like the guy that's made it mm. you know you never feel that way you never feel like you've got it figured out and you understand things and you know at this event too I set up from the front, if you fake anything with enough confidence, people will believe you. Wow. And that's really what it is. It's just all about being confident that the Lord is going to give you those things. You know, in my mind, I never thought, I never even, even though you said it just now, like I've never even seen it as that. Mm. I've just seen it as I like cars. And, you know, the mechanics class, the auto mechanics class was, again, a little bit of, I don't, I hate to use the term selfish, but it, it was the easiest way in my mind because I had an old truck yeah. and there was all sorts of problems with this old truck. It was a little beater that I used for hauling wood and taking trash and things like that, that I got for like $800 there in Washington. Yeah. And so like the blinkers didn't work and the headlights didn't work. So I said, Hey guys, let's fix these lights. You know, let's tear this thing apart. Let's fix these lights. And these young people fixed them. 
And then I needed to change my oil and say, hey, guys, let's change the oil. You know, these were different classes we had every day. I'd go buy the parts, but these kids would get in there and they'd do this stuff. And it was just so cool. It, it became fun, too, because you'd see the girls showing up the boys uh, and kind of rubbing in their face that the girls are doing better than the boys. And it was just it was really cool. Wow. Um, but again, you know, I do love having fun with young people because I'm sure you understand. You never feel like an old person. You always feel young. And yeah. you always want to have fun and do fun things. But um, it all started by just wanting to connect with these young people in some way like that and yes. get out and do something. So it's like you're showing them how to enjoy life by showing them through your eyes what you do for fun. Mm -hmm. But just while you're doing the thing that you enjoy, yeah. you're just using that moment to yeah. interact with them and yeah. live life. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. Um, could you let us know, since you are the Wisconsin Youth Director, mm -hmm. like what, what's, what's the atmosphere there? How is it, what do you do as a youth director in Wisconsin? Um, Wisconsin is a, is a very, uh, what do I say? It, it, every, every conference, every state is different. Yeah. But you know, I've been so blessed to be in Wisconsin. Um, they just have a bunch of great people Lots of uh, farmers, obviously, because we're the dairy state. Yes. Which, interestingly enough, Minnesota has more dairies than we do. Uh, and we have more lakes than Minnesota does. <laughs> That's so interesting. Proven fact. But yeah. yeah, Minnesota is the land of, what, 10,000 lakes? Yes. And in Wisconsin, I think we have like 14,000 lakes. Uh, and Minnesota has more dairies, but we're known as the cheese state. So. Yes. Um, so lots of farmers, lots of agriculture people. People are just dedicated to service, you know. Um, we do run a summer camp, and summer camp is thriving. Um, a lot of people say, oh, if we only had more money at the camp. But I've never found money to be an issue because people believe in the ministry so much. And, you know, there's a saying that money follows vision. Mm. And it's no doubt that when we need something, we make a few phone calls, and we've got what we need, yeah. you know. Um the Lord owns the thousand on the, the cattle on a thousand hills, yes. but he also owns the hills, you know, so we don't have anything to worry about. So um, I say that just because we have some really great people in Wisconsin that just love the Lord, love service, love working. Um, we are, it's, it's, it's a large territory, state of Wisconsin, you know, it takes several hours to get from one end to the other. And, you know, we're all over the state all the time. Um, we have a thriving Pathfinder uh, group in Wisconsin, very pleased with them. Um, adventurers, we have a great adventurer group. Um, we have Adventurer Fun Day every year, and it's it, we pack it out. Adventure Camporee is a lot of fun, but sometimes the parents are less brave to camp than the children, so <laughs> it's kind of kind of fun dynamics there. Those kids are a lot of fun. We have a good growing public campus ministry group going. Um, we got Milwaukee, Green Bay, just. Uh, it's kind of on hiatus right now because we got somebody getting married and mm. um, Stevens Point Public Campus Ministry is doing awesome. Madison, so we've got a lot of things going. The summer wow. camp never stops, so we're we're busy at the camp usually about forty two weeks out of the year. Wow! So we've got lots of things going. Yeah, in fact, since you just mentioned that forty two, uh, could you let us know the name of that camp and? What, oh, what yeah. goes on there? Yeah, so we're Camp Wakanda. We're oh. in Oxford, Wisconsin. It's about 50 miles north of Madison, middle of nowhere. <coughs> Excuse me. No problem. Um, yeah, we're middle of nowhere. You know, it's 
beautiful, beautiful forest. We actually, our camp is on a old Girl Scouts camp uh, that used to be a paper farm. Wow. So when you go on our campus, you see rows of trees, you know, it's, yeah. but they're beautiful. It's still a very beautiful campus. We have over 220 acres. Uh, I think it's 226 cabins. Um, we can we can house quite a bit. Our camp meeting that we have every year, we see about 6,000 people over the entire 10 days. So um, lots of things going on. Yeah, and I noticed that you have you empower young people as staff at that camp. Mm -hmm. um, can you let us know how it is to manage young adults who are in charge of maybe even younger kids or youth? How, yeah. do, you, how do you do that? Um, you know, staff at summer camp, that's, that's a prayer journey for sure. Um, you know, whenever I first started in my mind, I saw running staff like I did when I was engineering. Um, when I was engineering, I had several people under me as well very different worlds though yeah. you know the engineering construction world like it's just very like cut and dry easy you get your work done or you don't um but in leading young people at summer camp it's a prayer journey it's a faith walk um, it's patient trying it's emotion emotionally wrecking you know it's all sorts of different things that you can describe it that way but um, in the end when you see these young people when, when you see them have to come to a crossroad and they make a choice that you saw them think through, yeah. it's, it's so awesome, so encouraging. And it makes all the hard times worth that one moment where these young people made a change. Wow. Um, you know, I have lots of staff now that this is going on my fourth year there. Wow. And I've seen these young people come to me as freshmen in college still nice and green and fresh and you know I sat down with one at Union College last week um, and we went through my staff list and this young lady was telling me all the strengths all the weaknesses about the different staff because she was thinking about the greater good of ministry and it was just incredible to see you know from the from the first time I sat down with her until the other day when I sat down and listened to her plan and put people where they'd be a good fit. She was thinking about what they're good at, what they struggle with, where they would do well, where we might have to coach them along. Um, but again, it's just when you see these young people at summer camp, make Jesus theirs and choose to serve. It's just so incredible, so encouraging and enlightening. I just there's so many things I can describe. Wow, wow, that's it's, it's a powerful story. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, I, it's not really a question, but um, just an observation. How is it to be the closest conference to Oshkosh? <laughs> oh man, you know it's it's everybody was telling me during the whole planning process, get ready to be asked to do this, asked to do that. And you know, I got a few requests to help out with things here and there, but it wasn't too bad. And you know, when people did need help, we we're happy to do whatever we can. Um, a lot of the kids in Wisconsin want Oshkosh to go somewhere else uh, just so they can travel. Yes. But my directors, they say, no, keep it here, keep it here. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, it's a blessing to our churches as well. Um, you know, it, it it's easy to get caught up in, in being stuck in the reeds of where you're working and like just stuck in that one mindset of ministry 
But when the whole world comes down on you like that, you yeah. see that what we're doing is bigger than our club. Yeah. What we're doing is bigger than our conference. Yeah. It's bigger than our union. You know, this is worldwide. All these young people come together for one thing, and that's to share Jesus through Pathfinders. So it, it's being the, the home conference. We say, praise God, bring it on. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's a blessing. I, I, like, I like how you mentioned that. It's like your conference being the closest, you guys have a different blessing. Yes, you guys don't have to spend a lot as for travel as everybody else, but you guys get to see how that land in that community changes mm -hmm. throughout that week and the after effects too, yeah. because you guys are still there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you know, we here at Ship Shibana, the Green Bay Street team, they made a presentation on what they're doing. And one thing he didn't say that I wish he would have is the effect that Oshkosh had even on their ministry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at Oshkosh Camp Bree, there was the trailers, the donation trailers. And, you know, I personally was up until 4.30 in the morning packing those trailers Saturday night after everybody's leaving, getting rid of the food we can't give away and separating things. And, you know, we took we took truckload after truckload after truckload of things to um, different ministries. And Green Bay was one of them, the street team. We packed out their food pantry and gave them, I think it was close to 200 sleeping bags. Wow. Um, like 100 tents. Um, uh, what was it? Almost a thousand blankets. Yeah. Um, just tons and tons of stuff for their homeless ministry. So the world coming down on our conference, praise God, you know, we'll do everything we can to share the things that were given to us with the communities. But yeah, we, we were very blessed by it. So Oshkosh, you do see that it is bigger, but you also see the effects are still here. Yeah. So Wow. Uh, so as we also talk about mentorship on this podcast, mm -hmm. I just want to ask you, how do you feel we can mentor our youth better in the church? You know, I think that that's, that's really a tough one. Um, you know, I don't think any church is against the youth. Hmm. You know, I, I hear some people say the church doesn't want to work with the young people. I don't think they say they don't, they don't want to work with young people. I think it's two things. One is that they don't know how. Hmm. Because nothing against old people, but they live in a different world than the young people today. Yeah. You know, I even see that myself. Just the other day I was at an event and I'm standing there just watching and enjoying it. And one of my young people, they come in and they say, Pastor, did you put this on Instagram? And instantly I say, no, why didn't I think about that? But it, it opened my eyes that I live in a different world than even my 18-year-old young people do, you know. Um, and I'm not that much older than they are. You know, I'm 34. But still, our worlds are so different. Their world is always online on media. But, you know, I grew up when I remember no Internet. I remember not having a cell phone. Um, I remember using a physical paper map, you know. Um, so I don't think that our churches are against mentoring and working with young people. I think it's that they don't know how. The other thing is I think that it's sometimes scary yeah. because there are so many things in the media and in the world trying to pull our young people away from the church. And it is a balance. It's a hard balance to bring young people into the church and their new methods and still worry about our message changing, you know. I, I get it. Um, but I think that, you know, once we acknowledge and understand these two disconnects, 
then we can start rebuilding that path of, hey, maybe the things that they want to do aren't so bad, but we can work on the execution. You know, because many times I think most everybody has great intentions, oftentimes just poorly executed. Mm. And they're poorly executed unintentionally. So I I don't I don't know if that answered your question, but well, I, I think did. that our churches do want to work with our young people. It's just it's so confusing right now. Yeah. So with those two things, you mentioned they don't know how or they're afraid. Mm -hmm. How would you inspire that local church that is going through those two things? How would you teach them how and also take away that fear or inspire them to not have that fear? You know, one thing that. I wish I would have done different when I was a pastor. I wish I would have brought young people into my leadership team. Mm. I didn't, and I feel bad about it now, but I do see that, you know, oftentimes young people do have great ideas. Yeah. Um, just sometimes the execution is the hard part. Um, so I would encourage churches to bring young people onto their leadership team. Okay. Be willing to have open conversations be willing to listen to ideas, even if they seem like crazy and off the wall. Let's listen to them. Let's talk about them. You know, at summer camp, I tell my staff, if you have a better idea, let's talk about it. Because if I'm not seeing something, praise God, let him work through you. You know, um, and there's no bad idea. The only bad idea is the one that's not brought forward to try or to talk about, to think about. Um, so I'd encourage churches to bring young people into their leadership circle and be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to listen, to be willing to try, be willing to fail, be willing to watch fail, you know, um, but just be willing to do new things. Wow. Uh, actually, at this uh, event, Pastor Ron said something that was really profound. He said, we celebrate failure. Yep. And so I want to ask you, how do we celebrate failure, especially when it's our young people? And, you know, the older generation is looking for failure to use that moment to say, aha, mm -hmm. they need more help or they're not ready. How yeah. do we celebrate failure? Oh, well, you know, we've we've done this at summer camp. Um, and I just go back to summer camp because it's just such a great tool uh, for young people learning leadership skills. Um, they bring in ideas. Sometimes they seem wild and crazy and off the wall. But, you know, there have been a few times where I've seen their ideas and thought, that's not good. But I let them try it. Uh, and if it doesn't go well, we don't do it again. Yeah. If it does go well, praise God. You know, uh, but you, you just have to be willing to sometimes let them try an idea. It goes well, good. It doesn't. Let's move on. Let's, you know, I, I tell, you know, my young people that, you know, the Lord... When he takes our sins from us, he doesn't like bring a stick and poke us in the chest with it every time and say, hey, remember that time? Yeah. You know, he takes our sins and it says in scripture that he tosses them to the bottom of the sea. And when you think about that, you'd have to go real far down somewhere dark yeah. to get those things and bring them back up. Wow. Yeah. Lord doesn't do that. Lord says, put those things behind us. Let's go forward. So when young people fail, hey, put those things behind us. Let's go forward. Wow. Uh, I, I just want to add real quick that you actually learn better through failure than success. Mm -hmm. That is true. I think that's what I believe, and especially with young people. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the toughest things as youth leaders to mm -hmm. know that they're going to fail and say, no, let this be a mm -hmm. great teaching moment because they'll learn more from that failure. 
And if it is a success, then hey, I let them be a success. Mm -hmm. But if they fail, then they will learn more that yeah. way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had young people at the camp that. You know, one, for instance, he was driving a boat and he turned too sharp and he hit a car. Uh, and it says in our staff manual very clearly that if you are reckless with our vehicles and you cause an accident, you're dismissed from your job. Uh, um, so this young man, he turned too sharp and he hit a car on accident. It wasn't bad, just kind of scraped it, you know. Um, but I asked him, you know, what, what should we do? And he says, Pastor, I think you need to fire me. Wow. And I said, okay. And I give you that. That's what it says in the book. I said, but I'm not going to fire you because from now on, you're going to be the best bus and boat driver we have here because you're going to learn from this moment. And his eyes were just opened. And it was, it was that, that, that second that he saw, oh, I can come back from this. Yeah. And it was that failure that he had because he was, he was pretty pumped about his ability to drive a boat and a bus and, you know, and it was this moment, this humbling teaching moment that he had that opened his eyes to, oh, I'm not above it, but the Lord is good still. Yes. And he had a great summer. Never wow. had any other problems. Wow. So yeah. you do learn from failure. Yeah. So Pastor Eric, uh, you know I love you because you have the same name as me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's been a pleasure to have you on yeah, this podcast and you. to hear your stories. I as I that. usually. see them come to me just completely different people you know I sat down with one at Union College last week um, and we went through my staff list and this young lady was telling me all the strengths all the weaknesses about the different staff because she was thinking about the greater Just leave it to the guests to give some words of encouragement to any youth leader or any person who is an elder who is afraid of watching their young people play. What words of encouragement can you give? Oh man, that's a big question. You know, the one thing I've learned is that I'm not the professional. I'm still learning just like anybody else. But what I have seen and noticed and observed in my time in ministry when you give young people an opportunity to do something, nine times out of ten, they'll rise, rise to the challenge and rise above it and beyond. Sometimes they struggle, sometimes they need a little help and guidance from us old gray-haired people, but nonetheless, young people are typically willing to try and give it their all and prove to you that they can do a great job. So see those moments see them empower young people to succeed, empower them to fail, empower them to be victorious, empower them to struggle, but most of all, be willing to be there for them through all of it and see them rise above.